Turn with me to John chapter 4 and verse 46. John chapter 4 and verse 46. Abram's name meant exalted father. But God had not yet given him a son. Matter of fact, God had given him a promise and years had passed. And Abram still didn't have a son. Finally, as a, a son, and God changes his name to Abraham, father of a multitude. So God worked a miracle in the womb of Sarah, and uh, she was unable to have a son. And then God would make this son a great nation. And from Abraham would come many nations. This was the promise of God. But sometimes the promises of God seem like they're slow in coming. Sometimes we struggle in life. We, we see things uh, happening. It doesn't seem like God's answering uh, and fulfilling his promise in the way that we thought he would. But God is always faithful to keep his word. And uh, from the time of Abraham uh, through uh, David where he said, I'm going to give you a seed to sit on your throne forever. We know that seed was Jesus Christ. And, and so many promises for us. How about this one? I will never leave you or forsake you. Great promise of God. God always keeps his promises. And uh, we're actually, sometimes in life, we get desperate, don't we? Sometimes circumstances are such that we just feel an urgency, a desperation about life. But God can meet us in those places and supply what we need. Uh, the scripture we're going to look at today, there is a father who has a sick son, and he is desperate. He needs Jesus to heal his son. And so he has traveled uh, to meet Jesus in the city there in Galilee and Cana. And he wants Jesus to heal his son. But Jesus starts asking him a theological question. And, and the father says, look, uh, come down before my son dies. He, he, he's urgent. He realizes my son has been at the point of death. Come down before he dies. He's desperate. Jesus says, your son will live. And he gives him a promise, and the man believes the promise, and he turns, and he leaves, and on the way home, meets his servants who have come to tell him, your son is better. And he says, well, what time yesterday did that happen? Well, it happened at the seventh hour, and this is when Jesus healed with a word, with a powerful word healed his son long distance did you know jesus can do things long distance i'm glad he can he's seated at the right hand of the father right and anytime he answers a prayer it's long distance nothing can separate us from the love of god as his people distance is not a factor for jesus so he speaks in this powerful word and the scripture says that this was a sign the water being turned to wine at Cana was a sign. This is the second sign that Jesus can give life with a word. Isn't that an amazing thing? Not just life physically, but life spiritually. You see, Jesus had a greater plan for this man than just the healing of his son. Yes, Jesus healed his son, 
But Jesus wanted to have this man and his family and likely those servants who were a part of his household, those servants, he wanted everybody in that home to be saved. And so that's the reason he asked the question. Now, the man's urgent. He is desperate. And so Jesus has compassion on him and answers his prayer where he's at, even though he's not gotten where Jesus wants him to be. But as he sees Jesus work uh, through this great miracle, he believes, not just him, but all his house, and they're eternally changed, eternally saved. You know, God has a bigger plan for you than just what you're dealing with right now. He does. He wants you, if you don't know Christ, he wants you to have eternal life. If you do know Christ, he wants you to know the joy and the power and the victory that he has for you. And he wants you to walk in that victory. And we do that by faith. The Bible says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. We, we trust him. Sometimes God may not answer our prayer, right? In the way that we desire anyway. He always answers, but he may not answer it in the way we desire. But uh, God will always work on our behalf. He'll sustain us through sometimes. He'll, he'll bring deliverance sometimes. But God always has a plan, and his plan is spiritual first, physical second. Because God wants us to walk in the abundant life and to accomplish the plans he has for us. So when you're desperate, you need to trust Jesus in your desperation. Go to him with that desperation. That's the title of my message, Trusting Jesus in Your Desperation. And look with me at verse 46. He went again to Cana of Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son since he was about to die. Jesus told him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sir, the official said to him, come down before my boy dies. Go, Jesus told him, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. While he was still going down, his servants met him saying that his boy was alive. He asked him at what time he got better. Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him, they answered. The father realized that this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, your son will live. So he himself believed along with his whole household. Now, this was the second sign that Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. So, uh, trusting Jesus with your desperation, how do you do that? Well, first of all, you need to remember his power. Remember his power. Verse 46, he just mentions this offhand. Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. And he says he went to Cana of Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. Now, I believe there is a, a specific reason that this is mentioned beyond just telling us, oh yeah, this is where Jesus turned the water into wine. I think he is hinting at the fact that this man had heard about Jesus' miracle. He knew 
perhaps through one of the servants there at the feast, he knew that Jesus had turned this water into wine. He had heard of the power of Jesus, and so he thought it might be worthwhile to, to come to him about his son. And, and in remembering this power, it gave him the ability to trust Jesus for what he wanted to do in his life. Uh, remembering the power that God has exerted on your behalf is a great way to gain perspective and to trust Jesus for the future. Um, one of my favorite scriptures is found over in Philippians, and it says that, uh, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we bring those anxious thoughts to Jesus. We bring that desperation to Jesus, but we do it with thanksgiving. Why thanksgiving? Because it helps us remember his power. It helps us remember what he's done in the past. And it kind of hits the reboot on our spirit. Um, There's something about thanksgiving and praise that just changes and shifts our hearts. Uh, it, it is truly a powerful tool. Uh, the water had been turned to wine, and this man had heard about it, and it had motivated him to come. Jesus has answered prayer in your life if you've been a Christian any time at all, I'm sure. Uh, I, I can't think of how many prayers God has answered. Some prayers he's answered that the doctors said wouldn't be answered. But God has, has worked and moved mightily, not just in physical things, but in spiritual things. How great is our God? How good he is to answer prayer. How good he is to change us. What a powerful work Jesus did when he changed my heart. I want to tell you, there's a, there's a, there's a profound change in me. When Jesus gave me a new set of desires, when he, he turned a light on in my heart, he, he changed me. It's a miracle what Christ did in me, and it's something that I cannot forget. I won't forget. As you remember his power, I remember how God has, has changed uh, a circumstance that I was dealing with, and there was so much uh, discord and, and trouble, and God brought healing and restoration and revival. How great he is. They, they hadn't seen much yet, had they? With just water turning to wine, Jesus was going to do a whole lot more than that. Even healing this boy who was at the point of death, Jesus was going to raise the dead, right? Lazarus, come forth. And then Jesus would walk out of the tomb himself. It's amazing what our God can do. Remember his power. When you are desperate, you're not able, but he is able. Right? That's why we get desperate, right? Here's a situation we can't control. It seems like it's out of hand. What what am I going to do with this situation in my child's life, at my workplace, in my personal life? How am I going to deal with it? In my finances, how am I going to deal with it? And we get desperate. 
And God calls us to remember who he is. The, uh, one of the leaders of Dallas Seminary years ago, they were having a financial crunch. Uh, and it was the early years of Dallas Seminary. And uh, they didn't know where they were going to find the funds to continue on. And they got together and they began to pray. And this man just felt led to pray, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Give us some so we can save, save this school. A uh, week or so later, he gets a call on the phone. This man says, he says, I'm a cattle man. He said, and God has led me to sell some of my cattle and give you the money. Isn't that neat? That's the God we serve. He's able. And uh, it's just amazing. I, I remember when I was a, uh, a teenager, uh, we, had one, we had one family car, and uh, my mom was working across town, and my dad was, was doing his thing on the other side of town, and we really needed a second car. And uh, I remember one day my dad called us together as a family. He said, we're going to pray. We need a car, but you know, we don't have the resources to get one. So we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to give us a car. So we got together and we prayed. And uh, that following Sunday night, this used car salesman who went to our church calls my dad up and he says, Larry, he says, I've never done this before. But he says, I feel like God wants me to give you a car. And he said, so I need you to bring $1 with you to make this transaction legal and, and, and I'm going to give you this car. And that was a great car. We never had one problem with that car. If it comes from God, it's amazing. But uh, how great is our God? He's able. Remember his power. So when you're desperate, how do you trust Jesus in your desperation? Remember his power. Secondly, hurry to his presence. Hurry to his presence. Verse 47 says... <clears throat> The man had heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee. He went to him. He went to him. As a child of God, if you don't know Christ, you need to run to Jesus for salvation. Okay? He, he, is, he is happy to give it. He gives it freely through the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross for your sin. He died and he rose again and he gives that gift to you freely as you repent and put your trust in him. And uh, that's what you need to do in your desperation if, if, you, if you don't know him. But if you do know him, God has given you access to heavenly places. So hurry to him with your problem. Um, sometimes we go to God after we try everything else, right? Well, okay, if I can't solve it myself, then I'll take it to God. Don't do that. Hurry to his presence. Go to him first and say, Lord, this is my problem. This is what I need. Uh, will you please work in this situation? But also, if you're desperate, you need, when I'm desperate, just asking God for what I need is not enough. When I'm desperate, I need God to do a work in me. Okay? And so uh, I will cast my cares on him. Sometimes I'll cast my cares on him several times. I don't know if I'm 
Somebody said, well, you pick it back up, you know, and you, you have to cast it down again. I don't know if that's what I'm doing or if I just never laid it down in the first place. But I have to, I have to pray, and, I have to, and I'll do that Thanksgiving thing. And I'll, I'll pray, and I'll, I'll give my, God my burden. I'll say, Lord, and I know I've got a bad attitude. And, Lord, I know my heart's not where it needs to be. And, Lord, I, you know, I just confess. I just tell him he knows it anyway. And, and then I'll, I'll ask him again. Then I'll thank him for some things. And I'll say, Lord, I remember that, that you're, you're faithful, and you've done these things. You've answered prayer in the past. But, uh, but here's where I am, and Lord, I know my heart's not right. But Lord, this is what I need. And I just do this. I kind of go in a circle. You ever know anybody that talks in circles? Isn't that annoying? Praise God that he never gets annoyed with us, okay? <clears throat> but at some point in that process, the peace of God comes. And I can't tell you, this is one of the most remarkable things. And what was distressing me and what was worrying me and what was making me desperate, now there's peace. Because God has quickened my faith, and he has come to fill me and empower me with his presence to trust him. And there's peace. When you're desperate, bring your desperation to Jesus. It doesn't necessarily mean that you get the specific answer that you want, okay? Sometimes you can cry out to God in desperation. He may not give you what you want. You need to understand that. There are some people who will tell you that God always has to give you what you want. No, he doesn't. He's God and we're not. And he knows what's best. And by the way, I'm glad God doesn't always give me what I want. Because sometimes I don't have the sense to want the right things. My little girl used to want to touch the stove iron when it was hot. Look at the pretty, bright, glowing stove iron let her touch it right that's what she wanted well daddy why wouldn't you let me have this pleasure because i know that she's going to get burned you see god knows us he knows he knows who we are and we can trust him with the yeses we can trust him with the noes but we need him regardless of what the answer is whether he says yes, whether he says no, whether he says wait, or whether he says I've got something better, we need him. Come unto me, Jesus says, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, <clears throat> for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So hurry to his presence. So trusting Jesus in your desperation, remember his power. Hurry to his presence. Thirdly, rely on his compassion. Now Jesus, he, the, the man is pleading. Verse 47 says, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son. The, the Greek word, for, it's, my translation says pleaded. Uh, some of your translations say he was, he was asking or something along those lines. But it has the idea of it, it was continual. Jesus is continuing to hear uh, this man speaking to him about his, his son. Well, yeah, Jesus, I know you're saying that, but he, please heal my son. He's desperate. Sometimes when you're desperate, you've got a one-track mind. You're desperate about this certain thing in your heart and life. And 
Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He could have got offended at that, right? Uh, but he doesn't. Jesus is, Jesus is trying to call his attention to what he needs to believe him for, salvation. But again, in verse 49, the official says, come down before my boy dies. This is urgent. Jesus tells, tells him, go, your son will live. He shows compassion to the man. You know, this man wasn't where Jesus was trying to get him to be. But Jesus still loved him. And he still showed him his compassion. And he does the same for you and me. Listen, I want to tell you, if I had to get where I needed to be to, to receive from God, I'd be in serious trouble, and so would you. Praise God that in his mercy and in his grace, he has compassion on us. He knows that we are dust, one scripture says. He knows who we are. He knows our frame. And he has compassion. Um, this, this father is speaking in desperation. I kind of think he might have been a little bit rude. I, I just think that. I, I think that, you know, he's coming to Jesus. He doesn't really know Jesus. He's probably meeting him for the first time. He's saying, Lord, I don't want to have a theological discussion. I, I'm kind of using my imagination here, okay? My boy's dying. Come down before he dies. Jesus shows compassion. The scripture tells us that Jesus, one day when he was tired and weary, looked upon the multitudes and saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them and he ministered to them. One, another scripture tells us that Jesus had been teaching for several days and the people hadn't had anything to eat. And Jesus said, I have compassion on these people because they've been out here for three days and have had nothing to eat. Jesus had compassion on Mary and Martha, knowing he was going to raise Lazarus. He sees their pain and their grief, and he begins to weep. Has compassion. I love the story of the prodigal son. Took all his daddy's money that was his inheritance. He went out and he parted hard. He slept with prostitutes. He, he did all kinds of wicked things. Finally, he had spent every dime of his father's money and was too poor to even eat. And so he's working in, for a Jewish person, this is not a good thing, he's working with pigs. And when he begins to want the pig slop, he knows that something's wrong. <laughs> he's, I, I want to eat... I, it, the, the old King James said, said, he fain would have eaten the pods of the pigs, you know. He, in other words, he was excited about eating pig food. Now, that's pretty hungry. He says, how many of my servants, the servants at my father's house, do better than I'm doing? I'll go back to my father, and I'll tell him, Father, I, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. And let me have something to eat. And the scripture tells us as the son walks over the hill, the father's waiting. He sees his son and 
does something that no Jewish old man would ever do. He begins to run. His son starts his prepared speech, and the father throws his arms around him, and he says, my son has come home. Get my ring and put it on his finger. Get my robe and put it on his shoulders. Kill the fatted calf because my son has come home. Compassion. Jesus has compassion on us. When you're desperate, remember the compassion of Jesus. He doesn't allow us to experience something unless it's necessary. First Peter tells us that. These manifold trials, if it is necessary. God is working and he has a plan. We may not always know. We may never know while we live in this life what God's plan was or is. But we know he has one. Trust in the compassion of God. I, I, uh, when, when Megan was little, she used to have, a, have to have her blood drawn all the time because of a, a medical issue she had. And uh, one time, that was usually Sherry's area, okay? <laughs> and, uh, but uh, Sherry was out of town, and so she had to have her blood drawn, and so I had to take her. And the nurse told me, you have got to hold her still because she was already crying. She, when she saw a white coat, it, all bets were off. And, uh, and she, you're going to have to hold her completely still while I do this. And so I am clutching her in my arms, and she's screaming, and she's trying to wiggle out, you know. And, uh, and then she turned up and looked at me, and it was this look of utter shock that I had betrayed her. It was written all over her face. But I knew that she had to have her blood drawn so that she could get the medicine she needed. Sometimes I think God holds us in his arms. And we're looking up, God, why would you allow this? And he has a reason. And his heart is touched and feels compassion for us. Trust him in your desperation and rely on his compassion. So how do you trust Jesus in your desperation? Remember his power. Hurry to his presence. Rely on his compassion. And finally hold to his promises. Look at verse 50. Go, Jesus told him, your son will live. Literally in the Greek, it says your son lives. The meaning for the father here is your son will live. But the way it's written in Greek makes me think of another episode in the gospel where God's son lives after death. And where each person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ lives forever. But he gives this man a promise. Your son will live. 
Matter of fact, he's living right now. He's better. Scripture says the man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. So it was, it was a pretty good hike from where he was to his home. And the next day he's walking along the way and the seventh hour, which based on which, which reckoning of time reckoning you, you do, would be one o'clock if uh, uh, on a certain reckoning. There were two reckonings of, of time in those days. But anyway... He, he meets these servants, and uh, he says, what hour was it? And he, well, yesterday at 1 o'clock. That is the very time Jesus spoke. The scripture says he and all his family believed. Now, I bet this man would not have chosen to go through his son being sick and near the point of death. And yet this crisis in his life that made him desperate actually fulfilled the plan of God for his life. Uh, one day when we get to heaven, we'll have a whole lot of questions answered, won't we? In the meantime, <clears throat> we need to hold to the promises of God. I love this one. He, uh, Paul says this light and momentary suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Isn't that great? This, this suffering that we experience is this fast. And then there's eternity. Where there'll be no suffering. There'll be no sorrow. There'll be no pain. There'll be no death. Jesus is coming. The father's going to lean over and say, son, go get your bride. And the trumpet's going to sound and Jesus is going to shout in victory. That's our hope. Hold on to the promise of God. Hold on to the promise that he won't leave you. Hold on to the promise that he'll have compassion on you as you call on his name. Hold on to the, to the promise that he loves you. Uh, one, of the, one of the Psalms says, uh, even if my father or mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Isn't that a great word? Isaiah said it this way, will a woman reject the baby at her breast? Even if she does, I'll not reject you. Jeremiah says it this way. He says, the Lord in his love longs for his rebellious children. That's how God feels toward you. You ever thought about that? Hold on to the promise of his love. If you're a child of God, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. There's no circumstance that can, can, can take that love away. Neither height nor depth nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other thing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a promise of God. Hallelujah. How about this one? Greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world. That's assurance. That's truth that God has spoken. Who is it that's in us? Christ is in us in his spirit. Who is it that's in us? It's the Holy Spirit within us. He's greater than he that is in the world, whether that's Satan or whether that is, is uh, his demons or whether that are the world powers of this day. There is nothing in this world that can approach the power of Christ that dwells in you and me. In Ephesians, he says, don't you know the power of the resurrection lives in you? Trust the promise and the word of God. Hold on to it as an anchor for your life. We don't live on feelings. You may feel good one day. You may not feel good the next day. We don't base our Christianity on how we feel. Praise God, there are feelings. God has God created us with feelings, and he, and he ministers to us and lets us enjoy worship. And I do believe feeling is a lot of time is a part of worship. But uh, that's not what we base our lives on. We base our lives on the unchanging promises of God. They're the anchors of our life. They're the goads that we, we put down our, our tent pegs in. We, uh, we build up our lives based on the promises of God. God says it, and when we trust it, God works in our lives and fulfills the purposes he has for our lives. We live based on promises. And the awesome thing about promises, there's a couple kinds of promises. They're conditional promises. If you, you know, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, so you bow on the knee to Christ, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a conditional promise. If you confess him, Jesus, you're my Lord, and you believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, that's the condition. Until that condition is met, the salvation is not promised. But once it is, the salvation is promised. So some, some are conditional. Other, other promises are unconditional. Sometimes God gives a promise that is just a promise. He gives carte, carte blanche. He just says, this is my promise to you. He gave Abraham promises. Um, when, when he first was called to go to a land that I will show you, God says, if you go, conditional, this is what I'll do. But uh, after that, he gave him greater promises with no condition. You see, what about this? The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. That was a promise God gave way back in Genesis 3.15. God fulfilled his promise. Jesus came. Uh, the seed of the woman crushed the head of the serpent. God said, your, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, Abraham. God blessed all the nations of the world through Abraham. We're still being blessed today. Uh, David, I'm going to give you a ruler to sit on the throne. Jesus came. So God gives unconditional promises. But we hold to these promises and believe them, and they are the source of encouragement that is the foundation of our lives. Uh, some of the truths in, in Romans 5 and uh, other places in, in Scripture that have ministered to me, Psalm 25 has been one of my go-to Scriptures uh, in recent years. Uh, these are, are, are some things that I have, have let be a foundation for me. 
that, that I've held to and cling to that have carried me through because guess what? The devil hates you and he hates me. And he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. Uh, he wants to send uh, as many people to hell outside of the church as he can. He wants to thwart us in our work. And he comes against us and we hold up the word of God. And we cling to the word of God and we speak the word of God and we pray the word of God. And God, through our faith, overcomes the world. Paul said this to the Ephesians. He said, taking up the shield of faith wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's the power of the promises of God. As you put your trust in those promises, hell itself can't stop what God wants to do in your life. When you're desperate, hold on to the promises of God. Sometimes God will speak a specific promise to your heart. I believe that. I've had that happen in my life. Not real often, but I have had that happen in my life. But more often, we see the promises that are in his word. Build your life on those promises. Hold on to them, and they will carry you through when you're desperate. So, trusting Jesus in your desperation, how do you do it? Remember his power. Hurry to his presence. Rely on his compassion. And hold to his promises. This man did, and his life was changed. He ended up entering into relationship with Jesus Christ. And not only was his son healed, but his life would never be the same. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to trust you in the desperate times of our lives, God. Help us call upon your name and hurry to your presence. Help us remember the good things you have done. Help us trust or rely upon your compassion. And help us hold to your promises, God. And as we do, Lord, let there be an expectancy within us that looks forward to what you are going to do. Father, um, I know that there are some here today uh, that don't know you. I pray that today would be the day that they would trust your promise to save their soul as they confess you as their Lord and believe in your heart that you've been raised from the dead. Give them the ability to do that, God, the grace to do that by your power and strength. And Father, for those who know you, God, I pray that we uh, would hold to your promises. God, help us be in your word so that we know the promises.